Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Spicacelli. Welcome to another episode of Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. So whether you're listening on computer or your radio in your car or at work, we welcome you. And in the past few months, uh, you've been getting to meet some of our newly ordained priests for the Diocese of Columbus. They are all very young and dynamic priests. They bring a lot of energy and passion to the parishes they serve. And that's certainly the case with my guest today, Father Sean Dooley. Father Dooley is joining his classmate, Father Michael Harchie, in serving several parishes in the Chillicothe area. They include St. Peter's in Chillicothe, St. Mary's in Waverly, St. Coleman of Cloyne in Washington Courthouse, and St. Sylvester in Zaleski. So it's a lot of parishes. <laughs> Welcome, Father Dooley, to answering the call. Thank you, Elizabeth. Well, first of all, congratulations on your ordination. Thank you. It was an amazing day. We're going to be talking about that more in this interview. But boy, it really sounds like they have you hopping down there, or at least driving down there yeah, from yeah. parish to parish to parish, parish to parish. parish. And uh, it's been a really good experience. And I live down the hallway in the seminary from Father Harchie, and now I live down the hallway from him in the rectory. So. That's <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm glad someone that down there to share all that yeah. driving and all that pastoring down there. Um, and, and we really do appreciate you being able to come all the way in, up here in person and to take that time to, to share your vocation story today. And I know you're a Zanesville native. In fact, a few generations of Dooleys have been mm-hmm. Zanesville um, relatives. So uh, kind of talk about your, your heritage in the Zanesville area. Yeah, uh, my dad's side of the family have uh, been uh, members of St. Nicholas Parish and a little bit of St. Thomas Aquinas Parish in Zanesville for over uh, 100 years. And we've really set up our roots there. Uh, and we're really proud to be from from Zanesville. Lots of history, of course. Uh, home of the Y Bridge, the architectural feat <laughs> that is the Y Bridge. But uh, it's a good place to call home. Now, your family uh, primarily belonged to Saint Nicholas, yes. as opposed to Saint mm-hmm. Thomas Aquinas. And I know uh, because we've had actually pastors of both of those parishes <laughs> on this program that traditionally there's been a bit of rivalry between the two. But what I didn't realize is that it really stemmed from ethnic lines, I think, originally. Is that kind of true? Yes. Uh, so uh, my grandma, she's still with us. Her maiden name is uh, Hildebrand. So all the Germans went to St. Nicholas. And then the Dooleys traditionally would go to St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, five blocks down the street. So very ethnic, Irish, Irish and German. Okay. So the Irish one out, you said, is it which one was it, the one that um, the Irish go to, did you say? Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. Okay. All right. So, but now, in this case, and the Germans won out. So you yeah, know, grandma, you were, <laughs> grandma won that grandma battle. Grandma won that battle. <laughs> so you're all St. Nicholas people. Yep. Well, talk a little bit about your immediate family, uh, your parents, and, and their Catholic faith, and, and how they raised you guys in the Catholic faith. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my mom and dad, Kevin and Suzanne uh, Dooley, uh, we were really raised in the faith, the importance of uh, Sunday Mass and the corporal works of mercy in particular, and just uh, just an environment of being open to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I also have two younger brothers, uh, Patrick and Dennis, who both work and live uh, in the Zanesville area. So, yeah, just a really, again, just a close-knit family. You had some uh, relatives that were uh, religious or or clergy or religious? Uh, Actually, both. Um, On my mom's side of the family, we have uh, one priest. Uh, He passed away during World War II. He was from Lithuania. That's a very interesting story. And then uh, two Dominicans in our family— uh, great-great-uncles of mine, and then, uh, praise God, a few religious sisters, uh, members of the Franciscan Sisters of Christian Charity in Mantowoc. And one of those, uh, my great-aunt Martha, 
She's 93, and she's oh, still no. with us, and she lives and prays up at the mother house. So, And I'll be seeing her in November again. So it's always like, sort, sort of like a homecoming when I go up there to the mother house and oh, see the sisters. Beautiful. So. so a lot of uh, back, background in, in uh, Catholicity there. And then you went to Catholic school all your yep. life? Uh, product of Catholic education up on the hill, as the locals say, uh, <laughs> preschool through senior year in high school. Okay, so that started with St. Nicholas yes, Grade School. St. Nicholas Grade School. And then uh, right next door, uh, went to Bishop Rosecrans High School, okay. class of 2006. So. Okay, so very Catholic br- upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, your family experienced a turning point that would draw them more deeply into the faith. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. My Growing up, my dad would make the trek over to Columbus uh, every day. He was an employee over at uh, Buckeye Steel on the south end mm-hmm. of town off of Parsons Avenue, uh, and I remember the day, uh, the whole steel mill was, they were doing a lot of layoffs and this is back in, oh, 2000, 2001. And, uh, I just remember that moment, you know, on un- unemployment, um, looking back at it now, really a, a moment where we came closer together as a family and we actually became more involved in the parish. Uh, my parents, uh, being teachers in CCD and, my brothers and I being involved in youth group and ultra serving, but it was definitely a moment of grace and closeness for a whole family. So you got to see firsthand, you know, how, how faith came into play in a very tough uh, situation and Absolutely. had to really walk the walk. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, I have to imagine as, as a young, young person yourself, then that that was uh, something impressionable. So was it during your years in grade school at, at St. Nicholas? And I think that later became Bishop Fenwick, is that correct? Yes. Or, yep. okay. So in your grade school, is that where you began to think about the idea of priesthood for yourself, or, or was that something that would come later? Uh, for me, it was around the fifth grade for me, and I guess uh, that first moment for me was uh, when I was, it was in the summer of 99, and we were celebrating 100 years of the church building of St. Nicholas, and I went with my grandma. And I remember I really didn't want to go at first. I, I just didn't want to go. <laughs> Wasn't but, your thing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then the rest of my family, I don't know what was going on. Maybe somebody was sick. But um, the bishop was there and all these priests were at this big mass at the church. And I remember my grandma just sharing me these stories, just uh, family stories of, you know, my great-grandfather building the church with his own hands and just other family stories. And I remember just seeing all the priests around the altar with uh, Bishop Griffin, and that just made an impression on me. Just, I don't know, just thinking of all those people from the past in the parish, and they're just really beautiful. You know, and I think that's a un- unique perspective, the fact that you had these generations of family members attending these and building these churches, because today we're such a um, transitionary, if that's the right word, society. We move around a lot, mm-hmm. so we don't usually know who built the parish I attend every yeah. Sunday. You know, I, I don't feel a part of that except I go now, but that people before us put a lot of sweat and, and sacrifice into that. And you got to see that, like your own family, real people that you mm-hmm. knew were involved in that. So an interesting perspective. Yeah. Um, so that was the first time you began to think about, you know, seeing the bishop and seeing all these priests on the altars, seeing this this whole parish celebration that maybe this might be something for you. That was the first time, you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did, were the, the priests at the time in your parish um, good role models for you? Was that any influence, too, that, that, you, that you had a connection with the priests on, on mm-hmm. a, a, a weekly basis? or, or? Uh, Definitely on a weekly basis. And uh, we would see uh, 
you know, the precept of the grade school and high school all the time. Uh, growing up, we had uh, Father Charlie Klinger mm-hmm. uh, and then Father Jim Caesar, uh, Father Jack Fulcher, who's now deceased. But I remember them just being very, uh, I mean, just very much in the community and very much part of our family, for sure. And Father Jim Caesar used to come to your house. Yeah, funny story about that. So on Fridays, <laughs> Father Jim would come to our house. We have supper with them, of course. You know, having religious in the family, we were used to having religious sisters in the in the in our house and everything. And so we have supper with Father Jim, and then uh, my mother, she is an accordion player. <laughs> so uh, after supper, uh, Mom and Father Jim would have accordion lessons. <laughs> And I, I grew up with polka music. At times, I get really tired of it, so I just hop on my bike and ride around the neighborhood until they were done. So, but yeah, they'd have accordion accordion lessons. So after supper on Fridays. So, if I had to be just this entertaining view of a priest, you know, that yeah. you don't normally see day to day, like oh, besides saying mass, he plays the accordion. Yeah, with my mother. <laughs> so did did you share this idea of priesthood early on, like with your parents or friends or family or? Was this something you kind of kept to yourself for a while, or I, uh, I would share it with my family once in a while, uh, with my friends, not so much, but I would uh, definitely talk about it with uh, actually Father Charlie and Father Jim at Saint Nicholas, and um, I remember sharing it with Father Jim, and then I remember confirmation time. It was a really special moment in my own faith journey, and I remember I met with Father Charlie, and he asked me, uh, "Well, what do you want to do when you grow up?" And I said, "Well." Maybe I want to be a priest, and I remember Father Charlie just being really uh, supportive um, of that. So, and what about in high school? Did the thought of priesthood get challenged by the many opportunities high school often offers? Oh, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it definitely came uh, in waves for me. Sometimes I would think about it, and sometimes uh, I just put it aside <laughs> for the time being. So, and but but somehow it still stayed in there. Somehow oh, yeah. it was still in the mix. So um, by the time, well, before let me let me do a, a a quick reset here, so so I don't forget to do this. But we're talking with newly ordained uh, Father Sean Dooley. He's parochial vicar at serving several parishes in the Chillicothe area, which we'll be talking about today. Uh, he's our guest on answering the call here in Saint Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM eight twenty. So Father Dooley, uh, when you reached the senior year of high school and had to make that decision, am I going to college? Am I going to seminary? And you made your decision. Were your classmates surprised? Did this come out of the blue, or did they think, "Ah, eh, we knew it"? Did you like most likely to become a priest or anything in your yearbook? Or no, I, forget, I, I don't know what I was most likely to do. I forget now. I think it was like most quiet or something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I forget uh, at Rosecrans, but um, I think most most of the students were like, "Ah, we're not really surprised." Okay. So, some were, but not all. <laughs> okay. So to test your call. Um, you entered the Josephinum, and this is an important part of a vocation story, and many of our guests talk about this, that you can truly only discern a calling by actually going physically there and testing the call. You mm-hmm. can't think about it all the time. You know, you really have to, to make the move. So you, so you did that. So let's kind of break it down, and let's look at the first four years of college there, the undergraduate years. So you're leaving Zanesville, a, a town where you grew up, and you had your friends and your relatives, kind of small town, mm-hmm. small school environment. And now you're living away for the first time at the Josephinum in a mix with other men and stuff. So how was that transition for you? Uh, I Overall, I remember that first year, first semester, uh, it was a little difficult just going from high school to uh, a college program academically. Uh, but at the same time, I had the opportunity to, to meet 
uh, the guys from different parts of the country that are in the same, you know, the same mindset, the same goal of, well, we're going to see if God is calling us to the priesthood. So uh, it was definitely years of challenge, but years of grace and years of learning also. What about, speaking of learning, what about academically? Was it challenging? Was it pretty much what you expected? Uh, definitely challenging for my first uh, my first year, I would say. But you know, after that, I just started to get a get a pattern down and good study habits and the like. But I think it's sort of that just state of shock when you go from a high school setting to a, a college setting. So. Right, because it's different yeah. no matter what you're, you're studying. It's a, it is a big difference. Um, what was, for again, these first four years I'm kind of focusing on right now, but what was your most positive memory of your undergraduate experience at the Josephinum? Hmm. Yeah, probably just, again, just that uh, environment of just a fraternity, if you will, just uh, getting to know these other guys from different parts of the country, from you know New Mexico to mm-hmm. Youngstown, Ohio, and New York, and, and the like. So um, it was just... Those were really good years on the whole. Definitely years of challenge, for sure, but mm-hmm. those were good first few years. Yeah, absolutely. that despite like all these different backgrounds people coming from, this one commonality of we feel called yeah. by the Lord to be mm-hmm. here, that, that's got to bond you. Let's talk about the second half of the seminary experience, the graduate or theolo- uh, theology level. It's another four years. And from what my guests have told me, this is when things get more intense mm-hmm. in terms of discerning your calling. Um, and plus I know you and your classmates uh, had a few extra challenges because first of all, you guys were doing your formation in one location. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, tough. We, we've had guests on the program where under their bishop, uh, the rule was you could not do that. You had to go to two different mm-hmm. places. So the, you know, things change over time. So being eight years in one location, you know, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, but also the Josephinum itself was undergoing its own set of changes. How did you deal with all of that? Well, with um, all that, uh, all those changes for sure, um, you know, throughout my whole time at the Josephinum, I always kept a photo of my parish, St. Nicholas. Um, That always just helped me to put things in perspective amidst everything that was uh, going on, Um, especially a couple of those years were uh, a bit tumultuous, dare I say, but... I always put in perspective for me, just looking at that photo of St. Nicholas in Zanesville and just thinking of the people of God. I'm like, you know, th- I'm doing it. I'm doing this for the people uh, back home in a way. And that just always gave me uh, so much hope, especially during that uh, those years in the school of theology. Um, I always love going back home for Christmas and Easter and serving mass, uh, just seeing, you know, my family and everything. It was just, those were the moments that really encouraged me in the priesthood and really lifted my spirits up so much <laughs> during those years. We've had several guests say, I knew my in my time in seminary, a few things. I knew I never want to live in community you know? <laughs> yeah. or I knew I never want to like come back and teach in seminary. <laughs> like this was just a time, a you know, time in my life, but this wasn't going to be forever. It was the anxiousness, like you say, to get yeah. out and serve the parish. Uh, you would take a year off from seminary and you're not the first guest who have told us that either. The, those four years are an intense time. You are discerning. You know, you need to be sure because you're going to make it this lifetime commitment. So talk about what led up to that and, and that, that year away for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first part of the year, I was at uh, Holy Family a Church on the west side. And then I did some work over at the Office for Social Concerns downtown. Um, and around oh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, I was just praying further and further. I said, you know, I just want to take a little bit more time. So... Uh, 
I left the program for a while, and uh, I worked at American Electric Power uh, down in Groveport, and also for a funeral home, uh, John Quintroboni, over well, right here in Columbus. So uh, I was in, in the workforce, in the workforce. and uh, it was definitely it was a very good experience for me. How did you during that year that you were um, stepping back, getting clarity, making sure you know you you were very clear on where God was calling you? How did you keep your lines um, of communication with God open during that year? Uh, well, definitely my uh, prayer life. Uh, I actually found myself still praying uh, the breviary. Um, I always found it to bring me a lot of comfort. And, of course, the breviary is what all priests and religious and the lay faithful are invited to join in that prayer. But I still found myself uh, praying that as the best best I can. Um, and just, uh, yeah, just praying in general, just trying the best I can. So what was it then um, specifically? How did God reach out to you and let you know that he wanted you to come back to the seminary and be ordained a priest? There was uh, this moment when I was at the uh, call center at American Electric Power. Uh, We would take these phone calls, and you would never know know, who would be calling. It would be about opening an account, closing an account, XYZ, any other matters, but this woman, she called and she was going to, she wanted her account closed. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, ma'am, we'll go ahead and close that for you. And she was moving. And, you know, just out of the, all of a sudden she said, well, you know, my husband of uh, 40 years passed away just suddenly. And she just started crying. And yeah, I, I'll remember that phone call forever, but we talked more about her husband and, mm-hmm her family, and I was just trying to comfort her over the telephone. Um, it was about a 20-minute phone call, and I just remember you know, hanging up afterwards, and I was in my cubicle, little cubicle, and I had a, I have a, little, I had a little holy card of Pope Francis on my right, and I just looked. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know what? what? You know, what am I doing in this cubicle? Right now, I mean, there was a reason why I was there right yeah. at that phone you know, for the phone call. But you know what? In the long run, where's God leading me to? So that phone call really reflected back to you your gift of of counseling people. You know your your empathy, your you know that that you were designed to do something more than be in that cubicle yeah. helping people with their bills and their yeah, accounts that that god had planned yeah. so it, what a life-giving phone call that was I, I wonder if that woman would that woman ever know what that phone call did yeah i don't and, know <laughs> you know and and i that i hear that story and i think you know how that's a reminder to all of us how god can use us we may never know it you know with just something that we're sharing with someone else and boy and and that sent you back mm-hmm. To the seminary and today you're a priest and so god bless that woman and um was it an easy transition going back to the seminary after being away for a year uh that last year in the seminary actually uh the most peaceful year <laughs> it, it was it was truly a very peaceful year um also that year uh last year um i had the opportunity on the weekends i would go down to perry county the perry county consortium of parishes and i'd be there for the weekends uh serving mass and then later preaching as a deacon and uh, teaching uh, confirmation classes in New Lexington and the like. So that was a good experience and being close to home and everything. So that was good on the weekends to be, be in parish life. 
Yeah. So the, the combination of, of getting that taste of, yeah, this is what I'm going to be doing was energizing you. And just, it sounds like just having that peace because now you really knew with your whole heart, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where God's calling me. And, and that, that pressure almost seems like it was off you mm-hmm. at, at that point. So that's really neat. And as we know, you were ordained a, a priest this past May. It was a beautiful liturgy. What stands out most about your ordination mass? Uh, well, reflecting on it now, I'd say, uh, Three things for sure. One is uh, just thinking of the priests that vested me, you know, with the chasuble. I, I think of, I asked uh, Father Jim Caesar and then Father Leo Conley, a former pastor at St. Nicholas, to just vest me and just thinking of how much they mean to my family. Um, and then uh, also the litany of saints, just thinking about that, that and how they're still praying for us and you know, for all those members of my family that have, you know, gone gone before us and and then lastly probably the moment of holy communion when we got to distribute communion for the first time as priests and i remember giving communion to mom and dad and patrick and dennis and my grandma who's really been praying for me a lot and then uh down coming down the line communion line i noticed the mantawak franciscans uh they're still at the hospital in zane so they still minister there and um when they came down the line, I just thought of you know, my Aunt Martha and Aunt Dorothy mm. at that moment. And yeah, that, that wasn't a coincidence. <laughs> no. <laughs> such thing, so. Yeah, and you had all those prayers, really, through this whole process, which I'm sure, um, you know, really helped help the process to go the way God wanted it, which yeah. was your, your ultimate ordination. You know, and I've asked all six of you newly ordained priests that question about your memory of ordination, and uh, other than distributing communion, that, that kind of did come up too, but all of you have picked actually something different, and I was picturing, you know, when you ask those priests to to vest you, mm-hmm. you know, that God willing, one day you'll be vesting some newly ordained priest, and what an honor that is, and uh, what a blessing mm-hmm. that is. And your Mass of Thanksgiving at St. Nicholas? It was at St. Nicholas, and, yes. And what was that like? Uh, very uh, surreal in a good way, just, I was just thinking, again, I've been ultra server since I was in the fifth grade, and... I was just thinking again, just of my family that gone before us, and um, yeah, again, just those stories of uh, those immigrant. You know, Saint Nicholas was an immigrant parish built mm-hmm. built by poor immigrants, and again, just thinking of my great grandfather. He would uh, walk down the hill to Saint Nicholas and you know ring the bell every day, yeah. ring the ring the church bells, and and just that sense of history coming alive. That's beautiful. And now, as we said at the beginning of the program, you're serving with classmate Michael um, Harchie at St. Peter's in Chillicothe, St. Mary's in Waverly, St. Coleman of Cloyne in Washington Courthouse, and St. Sylvester's in Zaleski. You know, I was thinking, I was writing that list down going, boy, did they teach you how to bilocate in the seminary? (laughs) Because that really would have come in handy (laughs) just to be all these places, you know. But so a lot of driving. A lot of driving. Um, Sort of reminiscent of uh, the pioneer days, uh, I think of the Dominicans, you know, in Perry County when they would be on a horse. Of course, now we have cars and radios, so that makes it a little bit better. Um, but it's been uh, very good being with uh, Father Bill Hahn and Father Mike yeah. Carchi, and then, of course, uh, the Franciscan sisters. Yeah, uh, they arrived last year down in Chillicothe, and they keep us in line. So yes, we've <laughs> had some of them on the show too. Yeah. We we love them. The three all. sisters, so they really keep. They believe me. They keep us in line. So, <laughs> well, that's that's amazing. And in addition to those parishes, you also have uh, Bishop uh, Flaget High School. Yep, uh, Bishop Flaget. Flaget, mm-hmm. 
And prison? Prison uh, the prison, uh, we will be uh, ministering in the prison uh, pretty soon. And then we also have the uh, Veterans Hospital in Chillicothe. So uh, we're in call on call in a way. So anybody that would like to speak to any of the priests or receive any of the sacraments, they give us a call. And uh, it's very, very humbling to uh, meet the men and women there at the Veterans Hospital. They're very, uh, very just, they've been through a lot and they're very holy people. Mm. So with all these uh, different roles you're playing, these different hats you're wearing, what it might be kind of premature to ask this, but what's your favorite part now of being a priest in what you're doing right now? Favorite part? Probably uh, just hearing confessions, I guess, just allowing the God to be, allowing God to be uh, an instrument for other people and just spreading God's peace to others internally. Just hopefully that's what, that's what we really need, just that inner peace that only God can provide. Amen. <laughs> I love it. I think I'm going to schedule my next one with you. I'll come down to the Chillicothe area. Um, just to close, uh, you know, like about a half a minute or so, what advice do you have for young men who, who think maybe this is where God's calling them to the priesthood? Uh, my advice, just continue to be open to the surprises of the Holy Spirit. And no matter where you go in life, just remember where you came from. Remember home. Remember your home parish. And remember all these people that have and are supporting you. So don't forget about home. <laughs> awesome. Well, Father Sean Dooley, we really thank you for being with us. Can you end with a blessing, please? Sure, absolutely. May Almighty God bless St. Gabriel Radio Station and all the listeners. And may God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, Father, for all the good work you're doing down in Chillicothe. I'm Elizabeth Piccicelli, host of Answering the Call. Tune in on Tuesdays and Sundays at 1230 for another episode. In the meantime, have a great week and God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Piccicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. So